how can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome back into another episode of Booze and Baseball as we're progressing through the season. I believe past the 15% mark of the MLB season this year. With Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, pretty good show today. We're going to have a cheers pour one out. We're going to have our shotgun six-pack as we continue to progress through. Before we get to our drinks, what we're consuming today during the show, I want to give you your throwback baseball stat of the week. Uh, this episode coming out here on May 3rd. Pete Reeser. In 1942, on May 3rd, it was a 14 to 10 game. He played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. They lost to the Cardinals 14 to 10. But in that game, he ended up three for four with the bat, had a double, had a home run, three runs driven in and a walk in what was a great game for him, but also a great season for him. Pete Reeser that year ended up uh, hitting 310 with a 375 on base percentage. He had 33 doubles. He led the league in steals. And then he would miss the next three seasons because of military service in the U.S. Army. But he was a all-star in 1942 before he left for the U.S. Army. And then when he came back in 1946, after World War II ended, he was an all-star again. Wow, that's a that's a heck of a career switch for you there. I don't think anybody nowadays could do anything like that. I mean, you saw Tim Tebow trying to go into baseball, and then now apparently he's back in football. I, I, that's the only thing I could ever think of, uh, of somebody having a switch career just on the fly. And obviously one of them was clearly really good at it, and the other one was not so much. So, But that's a, that's a fun stat right there. All right, what are you uh, drinking tonight? Well – Considering we just got off work here, uh, off a nice seven-day busy week schedule, uh, I slipped some vodka and I slipped some uh, watermelon Red Bull together. And, uh, yeah, let's hope that these really last-second drink combos come to a close. But, ladies and gentlemen, the, uh, the workforce, is uh, it's a tough one out there right now. So this, is, this will suffice. It still does the job at the end of the day. I'm just doing a classic Crown and Coke, which, obviously, Coke, Crown, some ice in there. Nothing we got lazy. <laughs> we got really lazy this week. Okay, do me a favor. If you guys are listening to us, give us some ideas of what drinks that you would uh, like us to drink because, you know, there are a lot out there, and we, we sure do it a lot, and we don't even think about it. So give us a reason to think about what we should be drinking this next uh, 
kind of coming up on the next show, and we'll uh, we'll definitely make it for you, and we'll tell you how we did it as well. All right, let's get on to our first segment. It is cheers or pour one out. We've done this before. We're going to cheer somebody, you know, maybe something happy occurred. Pour one out for something that, I don't know, maybe uh, wasn't as happy and you need to kind of just move on from it and pay it its dues, so to speak. Uh, I'll start things off. I'm going to start out with a cheers. Cheers to Danny Duffy and the Royals. This is more so just all-encompassing of the Kansas City Royals, but Danny Duffy has kind of led the resurgence in my eyes. Uh, The way that he's pitching right now, he has inserted himself into like I feel silly saying the Cy Young award race right now because it's just so early in the season. But if you were to have the whatever first, you know, 30 game of the season award races, he would certainly be near the top of that list. The Royals have the best record in the AL Central, which is also the best record in the American League right now. And what he is doing right now is pretty incredible. I think the shortened season might have helped him a little bit because his fastball velocity is back up to like 93, 94 miles per hour on his average fastball, kind of what we saw um, a few years ago before he had a few years where they were maybe subpar. Caper nine right now, though, is over 10. Um, The whip is under one for him. The ERA is 0.6. He's awesome right now. And then they have more help coming on the way. Daniel Lynch going to start. Um, for the Royals coming up. And so you have some of these other young pitchers going to be joining soon with like guys like Brady Singer, Brad Keller's kind of struggled, but Jacob Junis had a nice season. The Royals are, I don't know. They, they seem kind of legit. So cheers to the Royals. And I want to piggyback off Duffy. Uh, you know, it's funny in my sports cast yesterday, I highlighted him. He's from uh, Goleta, California. Um, and I want to keep something in mind here. So Derek had mentioned You know, he sounded silly for saying the Cy Young candidacy that Duffy could be in that equation. I I don't think it's crazy at all. You look at the numbers right now. If he keeps this up, he should be the favorite, to be honest, in the AL. And uh, just a little fun Central Coast facts here in California. Uh, First of all, Duffy, he's 32 years old. He's in his 11th season with the Royals. So this is by far the best that he's had. But if he was, let's say to keep the streak going. And let's say he did somehow nab that AL Cy Young Award winner. Well, shout out to the Central Coast because that would be back-to-back years that a Central Coast athlete has won the Cy Young because Shane Bieber representing UCSB as well. So you have the man out of Goleta and Duffy and uh, Shane Bieber of UCSB. So for all those of you that are the San Luis Obispo area, we, we got some solid pitchers coming our way, uh, possibly for another Cy Young Award winner. But a cheers that I got... Uh, we're we're going to stay in the, the same league, actually. And, and I've got to cheers to the Red Sox as a whole because they found a way their offense has been able to, at least as of right now, I think, string things together more consistently than what people realize. They thought a lot of people were talking, were they, you know, a farce? Were they a team that we kind of were looking at as this won't last very long? Well, the numbers really have kind of reflected with J.D. Martinez that he's back, he's legit. J.D. Martinez leading the league in home runs. Uh, overall, the Red Sox offense outside of Kike Hernandez is kind of drop off lately. It, it's It's been pretty consistent and uh, something that I've been intrigued to watch moving forward because I think that this is for real too. Kind of like the Royals take the Red Sox super seriously at this point. I want to pour one out. Um, arugula. Do you know what arugula is? Is it that plants? Uh, I think. Yeah, I always thought it was like, I don't even know. Maybe I was asking you because I kind of needed some help. I, I feel like I. <laughs> arugula before but yeah yeah it's just like i don't know like the 
it's not like spinach, but you've definitely eaten it. I actually think I had arugula, like a salad with arugula today. Um, I feel like it's, I, I think I'm thinking of a different word because I'm picturing what arugula is. I've had arugula, I think. I think. You definitely have. You'll recognize it when you search it. But you're pouring one out for arugula. The reason why, Jesus Aguilar, the big slugging first baseman, he uh, gave up arugula. He uh, went on a bit of a, a diet where he was eating a lot of arugula and he was eating better food, so to speak. And, you know, he had his resurgent year with the Brewers when he hits 35 home runs in 2018, and he's an all-star. And then in 2019, he kind of fades off. He only hits 236. He only has 12 home runs. Last year, uh, he picks it up a little bit in the shortened season, does hit 277 with the eight home runs. But this year, he has already almost matched last year's home run total. He has six home runs this year, just eight last year. He's hitting 298 for the Miami Marlins. And the reason why he said he has given up arugula, he's back to eating some more of the foods that he enjoys. Like he's a big arepas guy. Uh, so arugula, you're getting one poured out. You're on the hot seat. And Jesus Aguilar, you are playing well. Well, arugula is a type of lettuce. And I think what we were both thinking of was not arugula, but okra. Does that sound more correct? No, I was thinking of arugula. <laughs> oh, see, I've had okra on the side. Like, like if I get a brisket in Texas, normally on my side, I'm going to have either mac and cheese, some cream corn, and some okra. Uh, I did a story in Abilene with a guy that kept on saying, ooh, okra. So that's what was coming to my head. But yeah, arugula is lettuce, so... Let us enjoy. Okra uh, is very different. Okra, uh, fried okra is very good. Also, that okra. is good stuff. Fried it's okra is one. legit. Either jambalaya or uh, etouffee. One of the two, I think. Etouffee, I believe. I believe jambalaya is more of a like rice, and it's it's also jambalaya is like a Louisiana style dish that has you know rice and I, I believe what's that sauce? You have to explain this to me. I know what it is. I'm just. One hey, I'm doing it for our, our listeners out there. Our, our listeners need to know it's some good old jambalaya. It I think like. it is jambalaya that you can put okra in. Now, everybody has, I'm sure, a different recipe for, for jambalaya. Maybe in our next show, I'll drink an okra and a, uh, an arugula-flavored drink. That's probably going to really go well. No, I'll I want you to drink alcoholic-infused jambalaya with okra <laughs> and arugula in it. That's a challenge that's accepted. All right, you heard it first. That's our next plan. Well, I'm going to do a pour one out as well. Uh, as painful as you probably are listening to us right now, you got to talk about some injuries that we had this past week. And uh, the injuries weren't too good. Uh, Derek will get to the funny-ish one, but the ones that weren't so funny, uh, Dustin May, we still aren't at this time of the recording unsure what exactly the situation is. It's been reported that he has a right arm injury. No duh. Uh, he had a first pitch of a curveball that didn't apparently go all that well with his arm uh, because the very next pitch he then threw a fastball that was not that fast, well outside, showed serious signs of injury, immediately was yanked out of the game. Then on Sunday, Luis Robert running down the first baseline. It looks like he may have some hamstring issue as well. We don't know how long he will be out, but they put him on the IL with the White Sox as soon as he left the game. So two injuries to two very young studs to the future – not really ideal for the situation of uh, obviously trying to get the youth in, into baseball. They want kids to root for. Those are two very easy players to root for in this league, and you just hope that the injuries go away or don't happen as frequently. And it just It's a real bummer to watch two young studs get hurt the way they have. 
Yeah, I want to do a poor one out for, I mean, possibly a young stud pitcher. We haven't really seen it a ton this season, but unlike Dustin May, it's it's not his really his first or second go around in the MLB, I guess, for Jesus Lazardo. The reason he got injured was nothing like a Dustin May, where it occurred on the bump. Jesus Lazardo got injured hitting a table with his hand and he broke his pinky. And the reason he hit a table with his hand was a reaction to a video game. I, I mean, I guess it's possible he was super excited about winning and hit the table, but I think it's, it's more than likely to assume that Jesus Lazardo was angry with how the video game was going. So I, I think the first thing we need to figure out is what video game was he playing? You know, what was he getting so upset about? Do you think it was like Call of Duty? Do you think it was uh, Fortnite? Do you think he was playing a sports game? Do you think he was playing MLB The Show? Maybe Madden? Oh, he was playing the show. He was playing the show, and he was playing as the A's as himself, <laughs> and he served up six runs in three innings. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm talking about the real thing that actually happened. Yeah, no, I think that there was a precursor to what eventually you saw later that day, and uh, Lazardo was experiencing some really weird, wacky deja vu when he was out there losing to the Orioles. Keep in mind, the A's lost that series to the Orioles as well. Let's blame the video games, folks. Keep the eyes off the screen. Go outside. Go outside. As for another poor one out here, uh, just looking at a team as a whole, you got to pour one out. I, I did a cheers for the Red Sox offense. Pour one out for the Dodgers offense. It has been absolutely atrocious over the last week and a half. You talk about a team that supposedly had the number one rotation and the number one lineup as well. The rotation's done most of its job. We mentioned Dustin May's injury, not ideal, but the lineup has really struggled over the last two weeks. How about losing three consecutive series as well? You lost the Padres, uh, you lost the Reds and the Brewers. Not bad teams to lose to, but when you're supposed to be the number one team in baseball, that's not the way that people expect things to go. I know there's been a lot of injuries, but still, there's enough depth there to where that lineup should be doing a lot better than producing two runs a game. Finally, on Sunday, they broke out for 16 runs, but that was against a pitcher that was making his MLB debut. So pour one out here for that entire Dodgers offense. Okay, I'm going to uh, keep it negative, I guess. We'll, we'll keep pouring ones out. There's just going to be a puddle on the floor. Uh, pour one out for the Detroit Tigers. So far through 29 games, the Detroit Tigers, uh, they have, you know, I guess the inroads to get another top three, maybe even the number one pick again uh, coming up for, I guess this would be for 2022 MLB draft. But it's not just about the win-loss record, which is bad. It's also about the run differential. They have a negative 62 run differential, which if that sounds like a lot, it is. The next closest run differential is a minus 26. So they are more than double of what the next worst run differential is. And out of comparison, last year, the Tigers ended up playing 58 games of the 60. A couple of them just didn't matter, so they didn't play them. So they ended up playing 58 games. And in the 58 games, the Detroit Tigers had a negative 69 run differential all of last season. They're halfway through that mark this year in terms of games, and they're only seven runs, a minus seven run differential, away from doing what they did last year. They are worse than they are last year. They don't really have anybody that makes you say, oh, I want to go to the ballpark to see so-and-so today, you know? It's just kind of sad right now, and I know they have a couple more guys who are going to be coming through that system at some point, but even the young guys who are already up, it hasn't really been that impressive so far. We're going to do a cheers over here. First of all, cheers to yeah, the, the San Francisco. 
We need some, we yeah. need some cheers here. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. We're going to bring the mood up, and Derek's going to be really excited about this one. Uh, cheers to the San Francisco Giants. I mean, what a heck of a start that they've had this season. Uh, right now, heading into the day, obviously, the recording here, they went 17-11, and 11, their first place in the NL West. You know, everybody was talking about this being the Dodgers and the Padres division. Derek had even kind of predicted early on, hey, the Giants are not that bad looking on piece of paper, and they don't look bad in real life, too. It's, it's kind of the story of what the Giants did in that 2010, 2012, 2014 season. It's kind of like the island of misfit toys that work together really, really well. But they've got some really solid pieces in addition to that. I mean, Yastrzemski is very solid. But how about the production of La Stella? La Stella has been a key asset to that team. Uh, I, I'm very impressed with the rotation, the way that that's worked out. Kevin Gosman has been impressive. Um, Di Sclafani has been impressive as well. I mean, the rotation's really held its own, and that was even without Johnny Cueto, their opening day starter for a lot of this time. Uh, and talking about run differential, they're plus 25 right now, so that's telling you that they're limiting teams. On top of that, they did have that 12 nothing victory over the Rockies that certainly helped that, but uh, the Giants looking pretty impressive. They're going to be scary this year, and it looks like they're a playoff team. Yeah, we'll see. Still early in the year, but I've definitely been impressed with a lot of things to like for the Giants, and we'll get into a little more about the pitching staff coming up in our shotgun six-pack. They've been really good, but who knows, because a lot of times a lot of those guys have been injury-prone. All right, the final cheers that I'm going to do will be to the New York Yankees. It seems like they're starting to figure it out. They're back to 500. You still have a long way to go. You're already 500. I think it was two, three years ago where they started like three games under 500 through 15, 20 games, and they ended up with like 100 and something wins. So uh, it seems like they're well on their way to being a playoff team, being a contender in the American League once again. And also part of this, Corey Kluber actually uh, on Sunday ended up with his 100th career victory. So cheers to Corey Kluber. Cheers to the Yankees for, I guess, figuring it out. Derek, have you ever had a drink? where there was a crack in your glass and all of a sudden the drink was just zipping out. You didn't even notice it, but it was starting to spill onto your shirt. It got all over the place. Well, I have a cheers in which the glass breaks and shatters and eventually it Whoa. actually turns into a poor one out. And that is the NL East. What a disaster the NL East is. The Miami Marlins are in last place, yet they have the best run differential, the only positive run differential heading into this upcoming week. And that is a plus four run differential. Everybody else is just a mess. In first place, nobody is over 500. What in the world is going on out east in the National League? I can't figure it out. It's like they're trying to think that they have some talent out there. There's a lot of studs. Lindor can't figure it out for the Mets. I don't know what in the world is going on there. And then on Sunday, you saw that Philadelphia Phillies bullpen just fall apart completely. Yeah, that, uh, that was really bad. Jose Alvarado lost all command in that game. I, I, I don't know. I mean, command wasn't really that much there to begin with. He just has really nasty <laughs> stuff, but it was really bad in that game. All right, let's get on to our shotgun six-pack. This is our speed round, so to speak. This happened, um, I don't know, about a week ago, but we haven't got to talk about it yet. Bill Shaken of the LA Times actually reported that the longtime maker of Dodger Dogs, which is Farmer John, is no longer going to be providing the Dodger dog to Dodger Stadium. Um, Dusty, I know you are maybe the biggest Dodger dog proponent in the entire world. So true or false, Dodger dogs, specifically with Farmer John, are overrated. 
So after going to a Dodger game two weeks ago and questioning what in the world am I eating, <laughs> I would say heck no. Those Dodger dogs that are Farmer John, not overrated. Those are the right things. Whatever they have now, it is despicable. It, you it, noticed. You went a couple weeks ago and you ate it. I did. Like this, the game on this Dodger dog is off today. It was actually really crazy because I thought to myself, am I going crazy? Like I have been craving a Dodger dog since 2018 i had not been to dodger stadium for three years and so you know all all i want is a dodger dog in a dodger game right so i show up i get my dodger dog i go over to my seat i'm sitting by myself uh because i'm covering the game quote unquote right and i'm looking around eating on this thing and then i look i'm like what's wrong here it doesn't look like it's either cooked right or it doesn't taste like a normal dodger dog then a week later shaken's report comes out or was it plashky or shaken no, it says Bill Shaken. So Shaken comes out and says, oh, yeah, these aren't real Dodger dogs. And then my theory was confirmed. So, yeah, the Dodger dog that is sponsored by Farmer John is an actual Dodger dog. But whatever this crap is that we're giving out here, this faux Dodger dog, as we like to call it, that, that is hot garbage. Don't go out. Don't buy it. We need to wow. take a stand. Take a stand. For those of you that – do not know, when I was in fifth grade, I went out to my street and posted 100 pictures of Frank McCourt, uh, boycotting Frank McCourt, saying, get him out, get him out. Now I'm going to go around my neighborhood and post about 100, maybe 150 different pictures saying, boycott the Dodger Dogs, because these are not real Dodger Dogs, okay? This is, this is a disgrace to Dodger Stadium. Wow. I mean, have you thought about a world where potentially your children would grow up and not ever be able to taste the Dodger Dog that you had? You know, Derek, I, this is a tough world we live in as we speak, but I think out of all my main concerns of things that are going on right now, the Dodger dog topic is number one for sure. <laughs> okay, on to the next six-pack. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but as of right now, the number one and number two teams in the MLB and runs scored. No, it's not the Dodgers. No, it's not the Red Sox or the Astros or the White Sox. It is the Cincinnati Reds in first with 151 runs. The Arizona Diamondbacks in second with 150. And it's not like they've played more games than the others. For instance, the Dodgers have played 29 games. The Red Sox have played 29. Reds have played 27. Diamondbacks have played 28. So there's not a big mismatch there. So I ask you, with those two being currently ranked one and two in runs scored, do the Reds and Diamondbacks both have top 10 offenses in the MLB? The Reds definitely do. I think the Reds have – the pieces to become, you know, a playoff team, which is something that you called at the start of the year. And I truly wasn't buying at that time. I buy them now. Nick Castellanos, the way that that guy is hitting. And how about Jesse Winker? I mean, that kid, he is a potential MVP season right now, the way that he is hitting. Do I think he's going to get the MVP? No, but both of them out of their mind right now. And if they keep this up, I mean, how can you not put them in the top 10? As for the Diamondbacks, I, it's hard for me to read. The crazy thing about the Diamondbacks, to be honest, is that Cattell Marte has not been involved in this entire time. And once he comes back, heck, maybe they are. Uh, there's really not a lot of teams that have more than three guys. And uh, there was just a week ago, I believe the Diamondbacks lineup was being made fun of on Twitter. And Look what they've been able to accomplish. It's kind of amazing, honestly. And Paven Smith paving the way uh, and just kind of along those lines. I'm very impressed by the collective group that the Diamondbacks have established. Rojas has hit well. Then um, I think moving forward, I don't think it's going to keep going, but it's definitely something to monitor. I would not say the Diamondbacks top 10, though. 
I would 100% agree with both. Um, I love the Reds. They're top five offense for me, uh, maybe even higher. They have depth. They have the, the front line guys as well. Diamondbacks, no. I don't know how they're doing this. I don't know how they're second in the MLB and run scored. I'm looking at, like, their team stats. As a team, they're hitting 239. As a team, they're on base is 323. Their OPS is 743. Like, I, I'm just, like, at odds trying to figure out how they've scored all these runs. Like, are they just getting lucky? Are teams, like, having a bunch of errors? It's not like they have a ton of steals. Tim LaCastro has three, and nobody else has above one. So, I, I'm just, like, perplexed. I feel like they're playing above their head. You mentioned some of those guys in the lineup. Like, there's some names here that you recognize from last year, um, whether it is Eduardo Escobar having a bit of a bounce-back season in terms of power, not really the on-base. David Peralta's back. Um as Drupal Cabrera, he's a solid hitter, but like go down the list. You mentioned Pavin Smith or uh, Josh Rojas, Christian Walker. Uh, I guess that's more of a known name, but a lot of these names, it's like, are, you, are we sure this is going to be one of the better offenses? So I'm going to say the Diamondbacks, despite the hot start, no, they are not going to be a top 10 offense. One thing that's interesting to keep an eye on, okay, Tuesday, April the 20th through the 22nd, uh, the Diamondbacks and Reds, the two teams you mentioned, they did go head-to-head. And guess who swept the other team? It was the Diamondbacks that swept wow. the Reds. Yeah. And uh, in the final game, uh, this might be the most telling story of it all, the Diamondbacks won the series finale to sweep 14-11. to 11. Can't, can't tell you how this Diamondbacks team has done it, man, but it is very impressive the way that they've gone about their business. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to last. But, man, if you're a Diamondbacks fan, in the wise words of Nick Miller, you don't know how it's going to end, but you're sure going to enjoy the middle part. Yeah, okay. I think I've figured out how they've amassed, like, some of these high run totals without putting up crazy stat. Like I said, hitting 239. They had a 13-inning game in Colorado. They had a 10-inning game against the Reds. Um, in an earlier series with them. They had another 10-inning game with the Reds, and then that 14-11 game you mentioned, that was an extra inning game. So they're playing extra innings to maybe beef up some of those numbers. But, yeah, otherwise, I don't really get how this has all occurred. All right, third one for a shotgun six-pack. I saw this sign. Um, this was on Twitter, and it was tweeted out by uh, Sarah Langs. Uh, but it's at a Cleveland Indians game, who obviously have Fran Mail Reyes, who's had a great start to the season. And uh, it's got a checklist on it. It says, what's our favorite meal? And it has oatmeal, cornmeal, or Fran meal. <laughs> I love that sign. Uh, so I want you to go ahead and rank those three, oatmeal, cornmeal, and Fran meal. Oh, boy. I I'm going to have you probably rank them a lot, a lot longer than me because this takes not very long. It's Fran meal one, two is nothing, and then three is a tie between cornmeal wow. and oatmeal. Yeah, I will not have either one. The oatmeal stouts, if we're talking oatmeal stouts. Yeah, okay. That Add that in there. Add that in there. there. You're ranking four things now, oatmeal stouts. Great. Okay, Fran Mill and oatmeal stouts. Ranked one, two, nothing. Three, nothing. Four, cornmeal and oatmeal. Okay, I uh, don't think I've ever had cornmeal, so just by default, that's going to be number four. Number three, we will go with... Oatmeal, it's just kind of boring. I don't mind oatmeal. You know, sometimes you put a little, you know, cinnamon or brown sugar in there and maybe put some fruit. It can be good, but it's not something I crave ever. Um, number two, we will go with oatmeal stout. And number one, we will go with Fran Mail because he has had a great start to the season. How can you not love a good old Fran Mail Reyes? In fact, Fran Mail apparently can cook. 
So I bet he can cook those two other things better than what I would do. So maybe I'll take Framil, and then consequently, because I took him, I can get the other two things in addition to that. So really, it all ranks number one because who doesn't beat Framil? Nobody. Nobody beats Framil. I feel like we're missing some good meals that we could – maybe we could come back to this at a later date. If you have a good meal for us to rank, uh, send it to us. All right, next one. The Pioneer League has been kind of experimenting with different rules. The MLB has been using it like a guinea pig. Here's the latest new rule that they're doing in the Pioneer League. No extra innings. So forget the new extra inning rule where you have the runner on second. Not even that. A home run derby. Each team designates a hitter who gets five pitches. Um, Then the game just from there is determined by the most home runs. If it's still tied after both have five, so if they each hit three, for instance, then it's like a knockout round. It's like – penalty kicks in soccer where it's just you know you go you go you go you go and a different hitter is selected for the sudden death home run face off do you like this rule hate this rule somewhere in between yeah you know I, I think it's interesting I'm not a huge proponent of the current MLB runner on second extra innings uh, because the reality is you are almost you know kind of favored if the end of your lineup in the ninth inning goes down at you know eight or nine um, and that's kind of a bummer. And so act, this home run derby, it doesn't matter where you're at in the lineup by the time you go to extras. Uh, you just factor in one player. Now, if I'm the Detroit Tigers, then it's basically an automatic KO because who who are you sending up if you're the Tigers? Miggy? I mean, Badoo, baby. Yeah, yeah, Badoo. I mean, like, I, I can't think of who else. But versus, you know, if you're facing the Blue Jays, you might as well call it quits because you know Vladdy is going to go up there. And he's not missing a single pitch. He can hit a home run off a tee. You best believe he's hitting all five pitches out. What I find interesting here is if this became like a rule, you would have MLB teams start spending more on guys who just, that's all they, like Chris Davis, um, I guess either Chris Davis, but the one I was thinking of was the Orioles, Chris Davis. You know, at this point, Chris Davis can't hit because he can't hit above 200. But if you just like had him off the bench, for that one specific rule, like you're like, okay, I feel great that we have Chris Davis. And it's just like, it would be crazy to see that. Also, I don't know what the pitching rules are. Like, do you only get to see five pitches? You know, you know how much pressure that would be on whoever you pick to pitch them. Do you pick one of your pitchers? Do you pick your bullpen? What if you, what if you like make it a, uh, a fan thing where a fan from each team has to come on the field and throw the pitches to their team? <laughs> That would be pretty brutal because if they messed up, it'd be like Steve Bartman all over again. But this is very intriguing to me. I don't want to see it in the MLB at all, but I do love it in a league like this where it's, I mean, the Pioneer League is an independent league, you know, and um, a lot of people are going to watch independent baseball because it's okay. It's a cheaper ticket. We just want to go watch some baseball and kind of get entertained. And for the players, they're trying to, you know, whether resurrect their career or just kind of extend their career, one of the two. And it makes more sense in a league like that where it's like, Hey, we don't need to stick around for a 14 inning game necessarily. Let's just have it end in a fun way. So I don't want to see in the MLB, but I'm cool with it in a league like this. All right. Next up. uh, We kind of briefly mentioned the giants. You brought it up in the cheers, pour one out. Um, So the fifth one on here is the giants pitching staff legit because right now, They've given up only 90 runs in the MLB. That is the second least in the MLB. The only team who's given up less runs is the New York Mets, but the Mets have also played six less games. So is the San Francisco Giants pitching staff legit? Absolutely. Um, And you know what? I I think if anybody believes that they aren't legit, they better 
open their eyes to what this Giants rotation has done. You know, one name I didn't even throw out there that may have been the most impressive is Alex Wood, uh, the way that he is transitioned. Keep in mind, in 2017, Alex Wood had an unbelievable year with the Dodgers. It's not like this is coming out of nowhere, uh, but his health has been an issue. The Dodgers kind of used him the same way that Kenta Maeda was used. Um, you know, when they think that they have a ton of depth, these guys kind of have these difficult roles to accomplish. And so for the first time in a while, Alex Wood has a legitimate role and with a team that, you know, I, I think is pitching not over their heads, but pitching exactly where they belong. Um, this is a great rotation. When you look at it, the way that they're all succeeding, I, I think none of this is, you know, over their head. It's not smoke and mirrors. Gosman, DeSclafani, Wood, you could throw Aaron Sanchez and Logan Webb in the mix there. And when Cueto comes back, that, that's a pretty formidable rotation. Uh, I'm excited for the Giants fans because this is – pretty solid moving forward. And, you know, we were talking about what kind of pieces could they sell at the deadline. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. You know, what might be the other way around is that they could be finding themselves to be a buyer for a hitter. I know this is within the division, but Trevor story would make some interesting sense for them. If they decide, you know what, we, we have a chance we can run at it because I don't think they need to address the rotation. If they keep this up moving forward. What about you? My biggest worry is just the health. You mentioned Alex Wood. He's had trouble with injury. Well, that's also kind of been the case for Anthony DeSclafani. Um, we've yet to see, you know, a full season from Johnny Cueto in a few years. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, he is not a guy that you expect to, you know, end up with 200 innings or anything like that. Logan Webb, this is really his first full year in the big leagues. He was in the big leagues last year, but it was a shortened season. There's not a lot of guys where they have the pedigree to make you think they're going to last this long. Um, the bullpen has been kind of iffy depending who the pitcher is. Like there's some guys who have pitched great. There's other guys in the pen where it's been kind of a disaster. So I don't think it's going to last obviously this far. And if you look at the schedule, yes, they have played three against that Reds offense. They've played three in Philadelphia, which is a hitter's ballpark. And they played six against the Padres. But outside of that, you're not looking at a lot of like great offenses that they faced so far. Six against Colorado. None of those have been in Coras. They've been in AT or Oracle. I almost called it AT&T again. Um, they played seven against the Marlins who don't have a great offense. So uh, do I think they're a good pitching staff? Yes. Like I, I think they'll end up top 10 in ERA in the MLB, but do I think they'll end up number one, number two, number three, which is kind of where they're trending right now? No. So the question to me just becomes as an overall Giants fan and perspective, can the offense, because the offense has struggled a little bit in certain regards, can it pick up enough so that when the pitching staff does maybe regress more to being, like I said, a top 10 staff instead of a top three one, that it keeps kind of the everything going for this team and, and heading in the right direction. All right, last one for the shotgun six pack. The Twins have had a rough start to the season, just 10 and 16 right now. The Minnesota Twins can be this year's version of the 2019 Nationals, a team that started the season slow after they had high expectations, and then they bounce back. Not saying that the Twins can win the World Series, but at the very least, the Twins can be competitive here over the last 130 games or so of the season. This Was this your World Series pick, Derek? I can't yeah, even was. I had the Braves against the Twins. I think I had the Braves winning, but I, I had the Twins in the American League. See, I had the Chicago White Sox, and I thought in my head the Royals would be better. Did I expect the Royals to be in first place? No. But I was never really high on the Twins to go from the very beginning. Um, and so I'm going to have to say no. I don't think that this team has the tools that it will take to go moving forward in that direction. 
Byron Buxton is playing out of his mind. Nelson Cruz is hitting the way he should be, and they're still putting up these kind of brutal losses. If that's really what the case is going to be, and you have to assume at least there will be some sort of regression for Buxton, the rest of the team's got to find a way to pick it up, and I just don't see the pieces that will allow that to happen. The rotation's incredibly thin outside of Barrios, and uh, on top of that also having Maeda. There's just not a lot of depth there. Um, the bullpen hasn't been all that great. Alex Colomay has been a bit of a disaster. I don't see how that changes moving forward. And the Twins also, you're not going to see them make a move until maybe the deadline if they know they're competing. Well, if the Royals and the White Sox are now trending in the right direction, if that continues, are the Twins really going to retool and you know make themselves a potential candidate to make the playoffs? I just don't know. I, I don't see it happening. Um, to me, if anybody is going to accomplish that mission of being the 2019 Nationals, you would maybe have to say the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals haven't had that good of a start, and I could see them make uh, somewhat of a run, but even then it wouldn't be that dramatic. I just don't see too many of those teams making that kind of run. The Yankees would probably be that team, uh, but I don't see the Twins doing that. All right. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to, like, tie myself down to the twins because I made that preseason pick. So I'm going to say, no, I'm just not seeing it right now, but I guess that's kind of hedging my bet. So I don't know. I guess I'll just say, yeah, they're going to be the 2019 nationals. They're going to stay committed. You've got to stay committed. It's just funny. Cause I mean, if you would have told me coming into the year, Oh, you know, I already liked the twins and now Byron Buxton looks like one of the best players in baseball. It's like, great. This is everything I was expecting. Like they're having the breakout. Alex Kirilov has hit like four home runs in the last three days. He this looks good. I thought the twins would be, but it just hasn't really related to wins. Although uh, they did compete well against the Royals. I thought in this series this weekend, which again, the Royals had the best record in the American league. So maybe that's a sign of things to come for the twins. Maybe this is the series that will get them going. They win on Sunday, 13 to four. Maybe that pushes them to get a little momentum, especially um, with plenty others to come against the Royals and the rest of that division uh, down the season. All right. It's closing time here. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. We're on iTunes, Google podcasts, Podbean, Amazon audible. You can also follow us on social media. It's at booze and baseball. You can reach us on our email booze and baseball at gmail.com. If you have any questions, suggest some alcohol to review. If you want some uh, specific meals for us to rank also, thank you to our uh, awesome coaster provider, man cave merch. You can get your, coasters as well with man cave merch they put all the awesome cards whether it's football baseball basketball whatever you like hockey i don't care they'll probably be able to hook you up so check out man cave merch drink responsibly thanks to my mix kit for the stock music have a good one for dusty baker i'm Derek johnson later take care y'all